It's always great to meet you here for a drink and a chat. I'm excited about this week's drink. Yes. So what are you tell us what we're drinking? We are drinking Long Trail uh, out of Vermont, and it's their Harvest, which is a Vermont maple ale. Um, I really like Long Trail. They used to have my favorite winter beer, which I sadly figured out they don't make anymore it was called hibernator uh but i want to pop this open and well, bef- give this before one a try. we before we get into trying it um i feel obligated uh to give a shout out to tonight's sponsor um cuz our sponsor gave us uh these drinks it is not long trail although uh long trail if you are listening uh, we would welcome a sponsorship, but uh, tonight's podcast is brought to you by Tony. Tony, a friend that you should have. Are you looking for someone dependable to add to your friend group? Well, look no further than a Tony. With a wide range of random knowledge and skills to choose from, your Tony will be customized to fit your friend's group needs. All models are small and compact for maximum efficiency. Some restrictions apply. Wife companion sold separately. <laughs> Get your Tony today. Well, thank you, Tony. Let, let's pop this and try this. Ooh, got a good smell to it. Oh, that's good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I Tony really needs like to sponsor this. more podcasts because uh, this is fantastic. Tony, uh, Vermont is no longer on the no travel list. So if you want to head home to visit your parents and just bring us back all sorts of Vermont beers, we would not complain. And on a different note, Vermont is else legal soon. Uh, (laughs) So this is an ad to Governor Cuomo. Come on, man. Canada has it. Vermont has it. New Jersey has it. Pennsylvania doesn't. Do you want to be behind Pennsylvania and legalized marijuana, Cuomo? Think of the tax revenue. Think of the tax revenue. Legalize it now. Think of all the tax revenue you could make up from what you lost from shutting down the state for so long. I mean, I know you are corrupt in your own way, Cuomo, so you could probably find a way to pocket like 1% or 2% and, you know, put it into a book about how great you are for legalizing weed too late. I don't know. <laughs> well, hey, weed's an essential business, so it can you can shut everything else down and still collect that sweet, sweet weed money. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what I gotta talking... say... Oh, yeah, you go. Well... I'm just, I'm still impressed with the beer, and um, I didn't know what to expect with uh, 
subtitle of Vermont Maple Ale? Was it going to be overly sweet? Was it going to taste like maple syrup? But I got to say, it is, it's smooth, not sickening sweet, not overly hoppy. It's just a beautifully harmonious blend. Well, I'm here's... shocked and surprised and pleasantly pleased. Here's their description. Our legendary maple brown ale is brewed with a touch of Vermont maple syrup to complement delicious notes of toffee and caramel derived from a toasty, complex malt profile. And that's a good description of it. I think that's a great description. So I before... I, yeah. oh. I'd, give, I'd give this like a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, it's 8 good. 8 out of 10. I'd be interested to see what it tastes like right from the tap. Because you always know that some flavor profiles change just the tiniest bit from tap to bottle to can and all. Mm -hmm. So, uh, while we're talking advertisers, I want to take a moment out to go to our other advertiser who totally does not advertise at all on this podcast, Elon Musk. Elon (laughs) Musk, you may be noticing a certain set of Twitter accounts tweeting at you, and really, Rochester is the place for your future. We have no hurricanes, no fires, no earthquakes, limited tornadoes, and not very bad snow. Plus, we have the population and area to support growth. We will get your Musk chips. Come support Rochester, Elon Musk. To continue off of the the plea to Elon Musk... Um, and I hope if, I mean, last week we assumed that he was listening to our podcast. If he is still listening or if someone who is very close to Elon Musk is listening, please get our message to him. But in all honesty, uh, there is a reason why major corporations were built and thrived in Rochester. We have a unique population set to handle high tech white collar and engineering skill sets while having one of the largest blue collar uh, workforce bases in all of western New York and I think people just don't realize how fucking massive of a complex Kodak was so there's lots of empty 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 city blocks of factory space that can very quickly and cheaply be converted and uh, with how corrupt our local officials are i am sure you can get some very sweet tax breaks or kickbacks hear me out you got greece you got the complex out there that they're literally blowing buildings up because they're not in use at this point you've got gates you've got the tech park you've got webster xerox does not have the footprint it used to have out in webster anymore there's spots for you in the rochester area and on top of that you've got u of r rit fisher nazareth suny brockport and you could probably even get some good factory workers from monroe community college yeah also because i know that you like digging tunnels you know what's better than a fast ferry to Toronto from Rochester, a tunnel from Rochester to Toronto that makes the channel look like a joke. Oh, Elon, I, we, we go to your ego here. 
you could have the Musk Channel from Rochester to Toronto. You could make the British and French miserable by building something better. <laughs> also, you got two uh, highly intelligent people who would be fine being like GMs or VPs or just, you know, slightly in charge of some meaning meaningless project in Rochester if you need uh, that type of middle management support. So we're here for you. Hey, look, I love process improvement, and I know the key to process improvement is a process is never good enough. Just keep changing every six months. And I could keep your employees working by just being like, yep, that worked, but we can make it a little bit better, so we're going to scrap the whole process and start from the beginning. <laughs> uh, well, we should probably that? move on to like what our three listeners actually come here to listen yeah. to. So I, I, I guess I got to say this up front. I think it's become pretty evident over the past two weeks uh, through our interactions that I, you are more right leaning at this point and I am very much more left leaning at this point. But I want to make a key point that we can still get together and talk without hating each other at the end because that <laughs> is important. And on yes. that note, we're going to talk about a political philosophy today of democracy and I'm going to play a little bit of philosopher devil's advocate in here that is going to make me sound like a horrible person at times. Uh, so with that makes that, me happy. Let's, uh, let's talk about the political system of democracy. And yeah. I want to point out early on, because I think some people don't realize this. All governments are based off of two systems. There is your political system and your economic system. The United States is a capitalist democracy. But democracy and capitalism are not the same things. Key point being, China is now a capitalist society. They are communist. Though, on that note, let's take us to our first fun fact of the countries in the world only six today claim not to be democracies china is not one of those they claim to be a democracy so of course <laughs> it is a very very bastard in modern days that's the people's republic of china yeah they voted for this republic like oh, back yeah. in like the early 1900s and just haven't had a chance to vote again right so well, you know they voted once i mean do they really do they really they did it right the first time do they really need to do it again i mean no, they got I mean, it right come the on. first time yeah come on hey, uh, remember the it, nazis were voted into par power they got true. it right the first time right north korea I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that i am so sorry for that north korea's uh they claim that they're uh they're democratic yeah yeah so when when Kim Jong-il sprouted out of the head of his father or whatever their legend is, they immediately just voted for him because he was so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but maybe we should start back at the beginning. Democracy comes from Greek. Before Demos... we go any further, I just have to point out, um, Jake did a lot of research on oh, this, yeah. and he's going to come off as very uh, well-informed and uh, intellectual, 
and my research consisted of uh, going to Wikipedia, looking up a few key definitions of democracy, and then going, fuck it, I'm going to wing the rest. So, enjoy. Sorry, continue. Yeah, I also used Wikipedia for most of this, and probably some political science knowledge that's crammed far in my brain from college. So, uh, democracy comes from Greek. It, demos kritos, I don't know if I pronounced that right, people's rule. Uh, Current theories are some of the earliest democracies existed as far back as in caveman society, uh, that there were some early tribes that were democratic, um, and it's been something that's ebbed and flowed throughout the history of time. Uh, Really took off in Athens in ancient Greek, then disappeared for a while in the Western world, uh, especially through the Dark Ages, making its return during the Renaissance and Enlightenment, uh, coming to today where most Western societies are some form of democracy and many uh, Eastern societies are some form of democracy, though many of those are bastardized on both sides. Um, Example, China. Uh, Again, uh, example, Russia is a democracy, or so they claim. Um, So, it's it's a political system that I don't think should be easily said to be in use today because if any country can claim to be a democracy what is a democracy really true i also think and not to jump on any research not quite sure how we're going to flow this conversation but in all true honesty i feel like there is a ton of people out there who don't fully understand what it means to live in a democracy or for a political system to actually be a true I feel like there's a huge difference between a system being democratic and a system being a true democracy and I feel like that's part of where the bastardization comes from and I think the reason in my opinion why the word has very little meaning is because people there are a lot of people who believe they're living in a true democracy just because they don't understand what that means and then they get pissed off that they can't do certain things and i mean case in point the united states is not a true democracy we're a what are we we're a republic republic. constitutional republic we're representative democracy we're a constitutional republic there you go on that note, I think we're going to stay mainly within the United States, and then I'm going to rip democracy to shreds, because that's where I ended up in <laughs> my research. Um, so, there's a company out of uh, the UK called the Ec- the Economist Intelligence Unit. Uh, they do a study each year and rank all the democracies across the world. Uh The United States actually today comes in at 25th and is considered a flawed democracy by their scale. Um, And I didn't do a research on what every statistic is they look at. I'm just 
given you some information. The actual top five democracies, according to them, are Norway, Iceland, Sweden, New Zealand, and Finland. Um, and the U.S. is all the way down on number 25. Um, I could see how you look at the U.S. and see it as a flawed democracy, though. Uh, we have uh, voter suppression that still exists. Um, we have some very undemocratic practices, but that is practices that were put in in our republic. And it, if you go back to our early episodes, trying to come up with a justification between what we saw the United States as in the Articles of Confederation to the flaws that we saw that led to the Constitution because right. we saw that we needed to be stronger, which led to an even more flawed democracy. Well, I would say there are some there are some things that would be considered a flaw in our democracy that I think are are not true flaws in the sense that they were mistakes. I think there are certain things set up in our constitutional republic system that were specifically designed to be that would be classified as flawed democracy but for the sole purpose of um, supporting and maintaining uh, the union um, yeah. I mean one of the, one of the things I would point out is how difficult it is to amend the constitution theoretically in a true democracy the people should be able to change the constitution whenever they want just by a simple majority vote I mean that would be truly democratic and the fact that you know amendments like the era still haven't gone through for not because people i mean what is it i think the last count like 85 percent of the population supports the era yet it's not an amendment because of what most would call flaws in our democratic system but i think certain things i'm not saying era shouldn't become an amendment absolutely should but, you know, there are certain things that were put in to protect the Constitution and to protect the overall system. Didn't always work. We had prohibition. That was a failure in the yeah. system. That was true democracy taking over. Yeah. Uh, so let me take a step back. And democracy uh, at the basis is one person, one vote. Now, there's ways to interpret that and we have this constitutional republic uh representative democracy in which you know we vote representatives who then represent us and make the decisions because to be honest a one person one vote does not work on large scale um no. you can't have everyone voting on every single thing that affects their day-to-day -day lives um i think two things that absolutely make us a flawed democracy right now are the Senate Majority Leader. It is not a constitutional position. It was added, I believe, in the mid-1900s. Uh, there are people who are calling for the Senate to be abolished. I don't think the Senate should be abolished, but I think the Majority Leader position should go away, and the, the Senate should become closer to a House of Lords, that every law that is passed by the House is 
presented to the floor of the Senate. You do not get this one person who is voted by the majority, and I put majority in quotes because within the Senate, the Republicans currently hold majority, and the states that they actually represent, uh, population-wise, they don't actually represent the majority of the population. That's not the point. The point is that this smaller group got to pick one man from one state that one state had uh, say on that now gets to decide what comes up to a vote before the Senate. The Senate should just have to vote on everything put before them by the House. It's filtered through the House, makes it to the Senate, and they have to choose. But they don't want to put their names on things, so they have this one person who can stop it so that they can be protected. I think our political protection is part of the issue. And then number two, because... I just okay. want to, before yeah. you move on, um, I 100% agree with that. 100%. I think that is a huge problem. Uh, the Senate, I mean, the whole point of the Senate was to, was originally, it's to give 100% equal representation to each state, regardless of size, population, any of that, because people need to remember we're not one unified country. We're this experiment of all these little uh, states with histories and all of that working together. But the whole purpose, like 100%, the Senate should have to look at and vote on everything that comes out of the house. Um, There's, there's no reason that, you know, the problem with the Senate having a Senate majority leader is to me, it feels like one, yes, that was probably put in for protection or because people, they didn't want to have to do everything that the house told them to do. But also it feels like a, you know, flawed thinking coming from, you know, the house of representatives or even like a parliamentary system where you have, you know, the majority votes in a leader that governs everybody, but the Senate, it's all supposed to be equal. And, and I can see a counter argument of, well, the Senate majority leader decides what's important for them to vote on because otherwise everything would take, you know, would be bottlenecked and you just, you know, there's not enough time for them to go on everything. And my response to that is there's a reason why a congressman is a two year term and a Senate Senator is a six year term. Congress was supposed to be quick and fast and argumentative and, um, you know, the, the truest form of government. And then it was, and things were supposed to just fly out of the house and then go to the Senate where they had time to cool. You know, that's why the Senate has more parliamentary procedure than the house. It's why filibusters are supposed to be a thing, but you know, both sides keep trying to get rid of the filibusters and all manner of things, which, is absurd and ridiculous. There's a reason that they existed in the first place. Um, and it's one of those where the argument of, well, the house would present too much to the Senate for them to actually get through it. Well, take your damn fucking time. That's, that's the whole point. You, you, like, I don't think they would. I don't think I, it wouldn't I mean, be about it. Cause what they, I mean, we're human beings, human beings find, you know, uh, paths, forward if they had to do everything they would find the easy stuff that you know partisanship agreed on 
move through those and then okay we you know we, we went through 30 things today great this one now we can have a little debate on like it wouldn't be you wouldn't hold up 300 bills because you know we couldn't agree on this one that was bottlenecked you'd find a way to put it off to this like it's not a first come first serve basis no this is a government and all right so number two for me and this is going to be a little bit of a rant is what the supreme court has become and uh it was never supposed to be a political body making political choices but because our house and senate won't move on things they are making decisions that aren't actually laws that allow it to be overturned by the supreme court if it changes that is where a lot of the issues with uh amy colin barrett's uh cohen i can't coney coney barrett's uh, i just go amy barrett or honorable barrett just yeah her name doesn't Uh, roll off the tongue with three names no it doesn't but that's where a lot of the issues with her being put on the supreme court come from because people are now looking and going well now the supreme court's going to be able to rule this way and change the law of the land and i don't think the supreme court was ever supposed to be deciding rule of the land like they are today like these broad sweeping decisions that should probably be laws but because either the house won't act on it or the house acts on it and then the Senate decides not to bring it up to a vote. It has to go to the Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court has to make an interpretation of some law along the line to make this broad sweeping law, which I don't ever think was the purpose of the Supreme Court. No, I think... Nope, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, on that note, I have one other point with the Supreme Court, and it's more of a Senate point, but I honestly think... Obama should have pushed Garland's nomination to the Supreme Court and said, well, it's the Senate's job to advise and consent. You decided not to, so I took that as your consent and placed Garland on the Supreme Court. Yes, would that have made the political system even worse? Yes, but you need to play by Mitch McConnell's rules. (laughs) And he plays dirty, so you got to play dirty too. I don't even know if that would have worked, though, because you would need you need a Senate vote. It's not just consent. If he showed up to work. <laughs> well, are we, we're taking the, the Milton from office space. Uh, I'm loophole. just saying. I, I <laughs> think it would have ended up in a Milton. Supreme Court ruling. But, right. Yeah. No, I think the Supreme Court was never meant to become a. They almost pass laws nowadays. Yeah, the Supreme Court pretty much acts as a de facto branch of the legislative, and that's fucking absurd, because the whole point of the Supreme Court was that my interpretation and, you know, you look back at what the framers put out, the Supreme Court was supposed to be basically the safety net. You had the executive branch... Um, you know, supposed to be equal to the other two branches, the legislative branch doing all its work, and then you had the judicial branch with the Supreme Court at the top of it, but it was never meant to make legal decisions and basically write de facto laws. It was basically if the system broke down too much that we couldn't figure out our ass from our elbow, 
the Supreme Court comes in, sits down, takes a look at the, you know, dusts off the Constitution and goes, yes, or no, not these. I mean, the whole point of a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court is that if you are in your job for life, you don't have to worry about politics anymore. The fact that we have justices, both sides, who are so staunchly in bed with their political parties is absolutely not what the Supreme Court's supposed to be. The, you know, and it used to be, you could try and guess what uh, justices... Um, political affiliation was but once they got on the supreme court all bets were off because they don't have to worry about politics anymore that's supposed to be the beauty of the lifetime appointment is that you're in it politics don't matter anymore your your beliefs do but you don't have to worry about party lines you're not fundraising anymore but i think over the last 60 70 80 years People that were nominated for the Supreme Court were political operatives and they entrenched in their parties and, you know, you get some you get some dissent. You've gotten some dissent over the years of justices going against their political party that they were voted in on. But for the most part, not really. And if you actually look at, you know, like major justices that went against the party that nominated them to the bench, you know, it's almost always come out that they weren't actually you know, fully in that party or fully supportive of the party that put him in to begin with. On that note, Gorsuch has been surprising to me so far. I am very interested to see what his rulings are over his lifetime. I would agree. And see, I see Gorsuch as, you know, everybody had this preconceived notion of him and... Over the course of this year alone, I think that's the classic, he is now a Supreme Court justice. His politics don't matter, and he's tr- doing his best to interpret the, the Constitution and the law as each case comes before it. Yeah, no, like, and I can give credit to Gorsuch. I think he's been super surprising so far. I don't think Kavanaugh has been as much... You know, going across the spectrum. But I mean, when it comes to the Republican side of the court, which there shouldn't be a Republican or Democrat side of the Supreme Court, that's part of the issue. But Gorsuch and uh, Chief uh, Justice uh, Edwards is Roberts. uh, Roberts, Sorry, Roberts are the the ones who tend to swing to the other side in some rulings yeah if justices are divided along a spectrum it should be they should be divided among either the belief of a of a liberal living interpretation of the constitution or a strict you know verbatim word for word interpretation like i want justices arguing and debating on that basis not arguing along political lines of liberalism and conservatism like that that's bullshit you're you know there's no there's no real political ideology in the constitution you know people try and form liberal or conservative ideology from the constitution but 
in reality, the Supreme Court's job is to interpret what comes before them. And personally, I feel like the Supreme Court doesn't kick enough stuff back down. You know, no. they they deal with so many cases that they should just be like, are you fucking kidding me? No, try again. Get your head out of your ass. No, be gone with you. I don't want to I don't want to deal with this. And and the 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 whole I mean, the whole fear that people have right now with if, um, you know, Amy Barrett, you know, gets on the Supreme Court, which by all accounts, she will. They have the votes. They have they have the Senate. It will happen. Um, you know, the fear that, you know, they'll she'll overturn landmark cases. One, you're not putting a lot of faith in the human beings that exist on the court, you know, for them to, you know, you think they're just all going to vote party line. And second, it shows the biggest flaw with the Supreme Court that they'd have the ability to do it. And just as a quick side note on the belief that, um, I mean, the biggest one people are talking about is Roe v. Wade. And they're like, if she gets in, conservatives have a majority on the court and they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, personally, I don't really know why. I mean, that fear is not really founded seeing as Roe v. Wade was decided by a court that was, I believe... <clears throat> Was it? It was either six three or seven two conservative majority, and the second landmark case on Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood versus uh, blanking, which upheld Roe v. Wade, was also a majority conservative court. And it's one of those where, you know, these are instances where if you were if you were to show people the justices just based on political party. You know, to people today, they'd go, oh, there's no way they would have voted. But that's that's the Supreme Court. But then again, that gets into the issue. These things shouldn't be decided by the Supreme Court. They should well, be decided by the House of Representatives and then rejected or confirmed by the Senate. But they sit on their hands, so it goes to the Supreme Court to decide. I think so. two, I think, final points around the Supreme Court. Um Honestly, I think if uh, Biden gets uh, the nomination, he should and whether uh, Amy A B C or A C B is nominated or not, I can't remember her name half the time. Um, should quote unquote stack the court with one judge, one more judge, make the court even? Because my point is. If you get a 5-5 decision, it meant it was a bad case in front of the court anyways. The court should be able to be tied because a tied decision meant this case should have never been in front of the Supreme Court in the first place. Agreed. Agreed. I, th I believe we've talked about that on yeah, so on, in the tavern before. But I, so it's stack 100%. the court. That doesn't mean add 20 judges. It means add one. Make it a 10-seat court. Go ahead. Do it. Yeah, That's just cool with me. Just put I, one on there. I think the other problem was the Supreme Court pretty much decided an election in 2000. And that became a major issue. Like, yes, Bush, from everything I've seen, Bush had the votes. 
that he would have won Florida in the recount. But the fact that they were able to stop the recount, pretty much giving Bush the election without validation, is a problem. The Supreme Court should have let the recount go through. Bush would have still become president from everything I've heard. But that should have never been the decision of the Supreme Court in the first place. Right. Where, to where, decide like, an election. Yeah, where does that where does the constitution come into play there? What no. part of the constitution were they, you know, safeguarding or protecting with that? They weren't. But I mean all of party politics that have led to where we are today are non-constitutionally defined things. Like right. the the party systems the local systems of the parties, these caucuses versus elections, all of it is just BS that's not defined in the Constitution. There's some very basic laws in the Constitution, like the election will be on this day and the new president will take office on this day. Right. Everything else is kind of unclear. So. Yeah. But back to democracy. <laughs> I think we just Okay, so those those are your flawed. two your two parts of our flawed our flawed democracy yeah. that make our democracy flawed. I agree with both of those. Um yeah. yeah. No, I, mean, I think it's good. Other democracies why they're flawed. Look at uh, the United Kingdom. They still have a queen. <laughs> I mean, that's not she a She holds she holds no real power. It's all ceremonial, Jake. Come oh, on. Oh, sure. Yes, indeed. Yes. Well, I mean, they have the House of Lords, which I believe are still non-elected positions that come from family lines, right? Like, the House of Commons is voted for, but the House of Lords I still don't think has votes. It's literally like your dad's the Duke of Earls, so you get to be on the House of Lords. I want to be the Duke of Sandwich because I'm hungry. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. All right. So, I mean, I'm going to shit on democracy a lot today. And it's not that I don't agree that it's a good political system. But I think it needs a good beating and uh, understanding that it is a flawed political system, especially when so much of the world claims to be uh, democracies. But let's talk about some of the good things. Um, democracies give the consent of the governed in most cases. Uh, you know, you get that the people are making choices either through themselves or through the people they elect to make choices to give more say to the decisions being made consent of the governed good thing right yeah i say so uh this is a funny one from the article i was reading it said you get better decision making by the many uh sure when you let the many make decisions it's a better decision every single time (laughs) we're we're gonna say that's a good thing because after the justifications we're gonna go into the criticisms of democracy (laughs) Um, now this one was interesting. Democracies tend to be more peaceful to one another. Uh, so if you and your neighbor are both democratic countries, you tend to go to war less often. It's not that you don't go to war, but war happens less often 
cross countries when both are democracies. Interesting. So that's uh, uh and then the other thing is uh, de- democracies tend to have better economic success uh, from some studies out there. Um, big thing is uh, why nations fall is a book out there and it argues that democracies are more economically successful because undemocratic political systems tend to limit markets and favor monopolies at the expense of creative destruction, which is necessary for economic growth. So I would agree with that. Yeah. Democracies can be good, but let, let's go into the criticisms. Cause that's just where I want to be. And I did the research and Aaron, you can drag me out of this at any point. Okay, uh, so let's. I'm gonna I'm, talk I'm about. Gonna have, I'm gonna have a little fun. I want to see you uh, start lighting fires and right. uh, watch so, the world burn. I listened to a bunch of stuff on Plato's Republic for this, and okay. started reading Plato's Republic, and read some of the criticisms. So uh, this is the first great criticism: uh, democracy is popular rule as a facade. Uh, democracy is an illusion that only masks the fact that the elite are ruling us. And, boy. Um, Citizens United, the vast amount of money that gets spent in politics, like, as much as I want to shit on Lindsey Graham crying his eyeballs out about how much is being outspent on him, oh my god, the amount being spent in that race to hide like stuff like in just right. yeah it, it and where is that money coming from okay Lindsay's right there where's that money coming from sorry Lindsay, citizens united made this happen but yeah it, it's kind of true democracy might not be real like Whoa. man that's right. a that's a big one to start off with is it? But I mean, like, think about it. Like, well, no. I mean, you got you got a point, and and it's a valid point. Um, is you know, I mean, it's it's a point I agree with. Um, I think it's also a flaw in basically humanity. Um, yeah. I think I think a 100% true democracy can't exist j- purely because of human nature. Um, I... And the reason why I say that is we are, you know, we're pack animals. So we desire to be a part of a pack. Um, and unlike... A herd, you know, there's a there's hierarchies within a pack. People, not everybody wants to be in charge. People want to be led. Um, majority of people just want to go about their life, <laughs> just do oh, what they want to do. I, I'm gonna get to all that fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, well, and to the point of a true democracy cannot exist, I will disagree with you there. I think a true democracy can exist, but I think once your tribe, civilization, whatever you want to call it, surpasses 
500 people, true democracy is impossible at that point. You need to start having representative. 500 might even be too many people. Um, and I think, you know, a good place to look to is local chapters of fraternal and uh, sorority organizations. Most of those types of organizations are democratic and True. they work on small scale. But Very then true. when you okay. get to I the national organization and stuff, the democracy no longer exists because it does not work on that larger scale. Okay. I will so. I will concede that uh, democracy can exist on a small enough scale. Yes. Uh, um, 100% agree. But the fact that, you know, the uber wealthy, uh, the elites are just uh, giving us a false sense of democracy. I mean... This isn't supposed to be a conspiracy podcast, Jake. This is supposed to be political podcast. Uh, well, I mean, when talking about a political system, we kind of need to go into that conspiracy at some point. Oh, um, yes. Okay, continue. Uh, I'm going to group these two together, mob rule and irrational voters. Uh, decision make of the many can easily become mob rule. One popular person can convince people things are good for them, and then mob rule comes into play. Oh, uh, it's 100%. no longer democracy. On top of that, those are rational voters. They are people who are not actually educated about what they're voting on, so they buy the bullshit someone's selling them and become part of the mob. So our current political system. Yeah, our current political system. I mean, our per current political system is pretty much 100% mob rule and irrational voters on oh, yeah. no. both sides. And I mean, that's how it's designed. Pick a team, support your team no matter what. No matter what terrible things your side is doing, we're going to tell you that the other side is uh, is worse. I mean, mob rule, in my opinion, is probably the number one reason why a true 100% democracy should never exist um i will concede over a certain number of people but for like a country you should never have a true 100 percent democracy because true democracy means that you know everybody votes on everything at any time and can overturn anything at any time as long as the majority agrees and i mean most people aren't going to educate themselves on every single topic and people aren't people traditionally are afraid of being different from their neighbors people don't want to be isolated they want to be part of a group they want to be part people want to be part of the mob it's safe in the mob you don't have to worry in the mob the mob will take care of you yeah no you know tribal, when, tribal culture yeah 100 percent when, when uh you know when the herd is stampeding you don't want to be that one gazelle that's like, hey, guys, maybe we should stop and eat a leaf. You're going to get run over. You're just going to you. If the mob is running, you run with them. Yeah. And that uh, creates a lot of problems historically. Yeah, it does. All right. Uh, so the final criticism from Wikipedia before I go into other things. Fraudulent elections to claim to be democracies. I mean... Those are all over the place right now. I, I mean, most of the world's democracies are not democracies, and the elections they have are just there to hold up 
whoever's well, a, already in power. That's an and, interesting uh, criticism of democracy. I'd like to unpack that a little bit. So are they saying the flaw in democracy is that anybody can claim that their vote was democratic and thus weakens so, the position of democracy? Or are they saying that within democracy you can hold a fake election within, and trick the people? I mean, I think what they're saying more is, let's take an example of um, I, I think I most recently heard this out of like South Africa. Uh, one of the democratic nations out there. They had an election and the president took 99% of the vote. Yeah. It, it was an election to make it look like it's a democracy. I think that's what they're right. saying more of. Not that all democracies have fraudulent elections. No. But fraudulent elections can be used to claim democracy. So it's a, it's a less of a criticism on the actual practice of democracy and more of a criticism on the vulnerability that is how i understood it yes all right i'd i'd go with i mean yeah 100 percent. i think yeah one i would one i would say the biggest flaw with democracy is how easily faked and manipulated it is yeah no i think okay so this is where i'm gonna start branching off into things i think unfeathered democracy will quickly turn into a show we're seeing it now it's becoming more and more of a show less and less of actual politics i mean i heard about the debates uh or sorry town halls they weren't debates this past week i'm surprised you didn't get drunk and live tweet it uh, I, I flipped back and forth, but because they started at 8 o'clock and my daughter was still awake, no getting drunk <laughs> and live-tweeting them. Um, but, like, people are like, oh, my God, Joe Biden's a bore. What about the ratings? Nothing in politics should be about the ratings. It should be generally boring. Right. We are on the path. Idiocracy was not supposed to be a documentary, <laughs> but we are I mean, on the path to you idiocracy. Have, you have two candidates who are fighting for who are fighting for ratings, like, and it's who can be more entertaining, and like, that's that was the stupid part, especially with the town halls, which I didn't watch either of them, but, you know, it first, you know, I saw arguments on ratings, and it was Biden won the TV ratings, you know, and and destroyed Trump on the TV ratings. And then the right comes out and they said, yeah, well, Trump destroyed Biden when you look at all the streaming numbers. And the like, my response to that is, first off, none of that should fucking matter. Also, none of the ratings should also, matter at all. Also, uh, last I checked, this was 2020. So saying, you know, well, more people watch TV uh, watch Biden on TV than Trump. Okay, so more old people watched Biden because uh, I, especially after the lockdown, I don't really know anybody under the age of fifty. Now, okay, I'll tone that down. Under the age of like thirty-five, that actually has a cable subscription because they meant to have a cable subscription. So I will say this: where that could play important, and 
I don't think 2020 will be like previous elections due to the lockdowns, due to the pandemic, due to Trump as a general. Um, Older voters vote more. So if the TV ratings were higher for Biden, that says something about the older voting block and potentially could be saying something about the election. But I really think, like, first of all, 538s was so off last uh, time around and so deluded in its vision that Hillary was going to win no matter what that you can't really trust them. But, like... But also, my problem... All the pollsters, I don't think you can buy into them this year. It's, It's a different situation across the board. I don't think you can... Like, I think polling is becoming a dying I wouldn't say art because it's not really art it's, but you call people's home numbers it like has polling really been brought into the 21st century at all no it's done on phone calls and I've I would say I've never gotten called I don't know because if a number comes through that I don't recognize and I've been getting at least six or seven a week now um but if i if a number comes through that i don't recognize i don't answer it those could have been polls but to be completely honest my i knew someone that was polled once and the way the questions were asked because this was like this wasn't a presidential poll this was a general policy poll the questions were so biased and were asked in such a way to garner a specific answer that halfway through the poll they told the person, you know what, you know what, I know what answers you're trying to get. Just put me down for whatever answers your side wants and uh, let me go back to dinner. Because, I mean, as someone who studied and actually worked on developing surveys and polls and focus groups, it most people don't put survey questions together properly individuals have a bias we all do there's no such thing as an unbiased person it's how we're programmed it's how we survive in the world it takes considerable amount of skill and practice to be able to ask someone a question without having a bias in your tone or in the way that you frame the question and polling they they're not hiring the best and the brightest to come up with these questions and to actually you know answer the right people i mean polling and tv ratings are ridiculous like i don't know why anyone would listen to nielsen ratings anymore because nielsen ratings are based off of individuals either filling out a book or responding i know nielsen in recent years has come out with their you know their automatic digital box bullshit but that's not the bulk of you know, how they get their information. And when you were, I mean, we have technology technically, you know, the major cable companies could tell you exactly who's, you know, watching what at any given time. Yeah, no. And, but yet we rely on these flawed systems from people trying to collect data. No. And, you know, I, I went to a conversation with a political pollster Uh, that worked out of one of the big companies. They're out of Albany, and I can't remember the company name. And what they presented was super interesting. And I was like, man, if I 
if I had used my political science degree, I could have gone into that and done it right. But then I'm like, yeah, but that company's probably not in the 21st century still. They're probably not polling in modern ways. And the, the other problem with polling is you don't, to get true answers, you have to ask open-ended questions. But what you want to show people is a yes-no graph or a Biden-Trump graph or something right. super simple. And once you get into limited answers, it, the poll gets skewed because you have to choose between two to four answers maybe at most. Like, you know, no one's asking who you're voting for president and it's got Biden, uh, Trump, Kanye, uh, Jorgensen. Is that her name? I think it's how you pronounce it. Maybe it's a uh, soft J, Jorgensen. Jorgensen. And like, I don't know who else is on the majority of ballots. And then other. It's uh, Trump, Biden, undecided. Right. Well, some of those undecided people could be decided. Their choice just isn't Trump or Biden. Right. So, Or they don't want to, you know, ask it. Or, I mean, and, you know, you ask, like, the other questions, like, do you feel like you're better off now than you were four years ago? Um, you know, like, those types of questions. And it's one of those where if I just got laid off from work today and you asked me that question, I'm going to say fucking no. no. But if you asked me two days ago, you know, maybe I had gotten three promotions. Maybe, you know, life was good. I mean, like there are so many little factors that influence it. You know, they ask questions and they ask no follow up. Like, do you feel like your life is better off today than it was four years ago? Yes. Why? Well, I got married. I have three kids, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's all the reasons. Okay. Is there anything politically that contributed to you feeling you're better off? Oh, fuck no. No. Like, no. <laughs> so, that's, that affects how someone votes. Like, yeah, no, and it's all biased. Like, I mean, I think back to 2016 and all the polls that were coming out. And if you had a true poll and had... Hillary, Trump, Stein, uh, Johnson, and then other as the choice. I think we would have been surprised how many people polled would have showed up under Stein or Johnson. Like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, let's, let's get into the fact that um, the debate commission is completely rigged to make sure that no third parties ever get on uh, the debate stage because there's that bullshit rule that um, the only way that you can be in a presidential debate is you have to be polling over a certain amount, but it's only the debate commission only looks at certain polls and they make sure that those polls don't ask, who are you voting for Trump, Biden, libertarian? You know, they only ask Trump or Biden. Well, yeah, of course you're only going to have two parties represented at a presidential debate if you only poll for those two parties. I mean, ranked choice voting would make us more democratic overall like without a doubt mm. yeah Be i don't know i feel i feel it's hinky but it would be more democratic i will give it's you that. more democratic all right so let's get into plato's republic for a little bit and have, have you ever read plato's republic no there's many things i have not read 
All right. I'm pretty sure I've read it the whole thing before in one of my political science classes. Then I started listening to it on Audible and reading it and listened to a podcast because I realized it was going to take 12 hours to listen to the whole thing. And Excuse me. That wasn't happening. So uh, Plato's Republic is famous for probably the biggest thing, the cave allegory. You know the cave allegory, right? Refresh to... my memory. Well, right. refre- I mean, of course I do, but uh, for our listeners who might not have uh, known about it, why don't you uh, why don't you explain it for them, for, for just right. them? So there's a cave, and inside people are sat down and they're strapped down in the cave. Their legs are strapped down and their heads are strapped, so they can only look forward in the cave at the cave wall. And there's a fire and pe- uh, opening to the cave, so all they ever see is the uh, shapes of things moving out in the sunlight against the the wall of the cave. They all only ever get a distorted view of reality. And then okay. one day someone is let go from the cave. They're able to enter the real world and see what things really are. And then they're asked to come back to the cave. And no one would ever accept to go back to that distorted view of reality that they had correct that's what you would assume right that's that would be what the majority of people would assume yes yes well that's the allegory of the cave is that most people are in a distorted view of reality and that if you don't examine life you always remain in this distorted view of reality i Um, would argue that the majority of people would actually say yes and would go back into the cave well yeah true uh I, i might actually agree with you there um but then I mean, a lot of it is his argument against democracy. Okay. And Plato has some issues with democracy. Plato's teacher was Socrates, um, and Socrates was executed by the Republic, uh, or whatever, the voting body of Athens, for corrupting the youth. <laughs> um, and because of that, Plato has some issues with democracy. He sees what democracy can become. Mob rule got his teacher executed. Right. So he has some issues with democracy. And he presents forth the concept of the philosopher king. That, you know, that you would have the ruling body of the world. And that would consist of three parts. And uh, it's the law enforcers the law creators which are the philosopher kings and i'm blinking on the third one right now but they're pretty much the average person wouldn't actually have any vote but you would have this ruling faction that would have need of nothing but also wouldn't be able to live a true life they wouldn't be able to own property have families or anything so that they couldn't easily be corrupted by things so basically Jedi? Yeah, kind of Jedi-esque. <laughs> and they would rule over the people, and then the people would be able to actually own property, have families, but they wouldn't have to make decisions for themselves. And I think I'd argue that he might be correct. I don't think most people actually want to make decisions. They don't want democratic rule. They just want to feel as though things are best for them and i think my key point to this is the number of people on twitter and facebook today that are arguing for joe biden because they can just go back to normalcy (laughs) go back to not caring 
take the blue pill and fall back asleep. They don't want true democracy. They want to just not have to care about politics. And the things ignored under Obama, like Flint and the bombing of civilians by drones, they're fine with that stuff as long as they don't have to think about it. It's an interesting point because basically for the last three years, every single part about our democracy has been shoved in everybody's face. So I get that. Although to counter your other point, I would argue that it's not that people – I would disagree with the statement that people don't want to make decisions. They just want to – you know, they'd be okay with other people making decisions for them. And I would change it to – and this is why I think that ruling class with other people not being able to make decisions but everything is said in their best interests um, – I believe humans as a species prefer the illusion of freedom of choice Hmm. over, over like, I mean, theoretically, I mean, to pull a line from the matrix, you know, I was going to bring up the matrix. This is great. The, the architect gave humans, a utopia that was perfect and they'd want for nothing and we fucking destroyed it in however many iterations and it's six it's six six was it six yeah it was six i mean and i mean that's 100 percent true that's exactly what would happen we're it's we it's not that i mean humans don't function in a utopia because one it's if if you go back and you look at you know early evolution and you know the different uh you know homo erectus different species and how homo sapiens beat out all the others and you know the genetic coding that creates us who we are um we crave the illusion of free will if you give us a utopia without free will i mean we will destroy it i mean how many how many sci-fi novels, how many movies, how many uh, just pieces of art and escape are based solely on the premise of humans are given a utopia with zero free will and we rebel. Yeah, it's no. We're rebels. Uh, it's what we do. Even the Garden of Eden is a utopia without free will. We rebel and eat the apple and then are cast from the garden. Uh but to the Matrix point, uh, the architect, yeah, it's something like he ends up figuring out that 10 percent of people will never be satisfied with the utopia he has set forth. And they will always rebel and the rebellion will lead to the end of the Matrix. There's actually a theory out there that's super complex that says that the Matrix is actually a sub program running in the Matrix for those 10% of people so that they will be happy thinking they have the freedom to rebel against the program that has been created for them. So we're in the matrix and the matrix was created to pacify those that would question the matrix. A sub program was created within the matrix to filter out those who would not be satisfied in the main program that allows us to rebel, but still stays us within the matrix. 
So wait, are you saying we're in the Matrix, or is this a theory about the movie The Matrix? This is a theory about the movie The Matrix. Oh, so, so like, Leo... so the real the real world in The in... Matrix wasn't actually The Matrix, or wasn't actually the real world. It was actually The Matrix. The Matrix itself, and then what they thought was The Matrix was a subprogram within the big. I mean, that would explain the ending, how Neo was able to control the robots in the real world. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, it gets it's our conspiracy theory of earlier. Are we in a democracy right now in the United States, or are we just being satisfied to thinking we're in a democracy? If we're being satisfied into thinking we're in a democracy, our rulers are currently doing a very bad thing and not satisfying us, and that's why we're currently rebelling. And, I mean, it led me down a crazy theory in thinking about this thought that did our rulers give us Trump for four years to make us realize that it could be bad and then they're going to make us be complacent so that we'll just accept the basics when Joe Biden wins the election? So basically, let the... Let the people actually decide and then berate them for four years and then give them back what they were always used to. And then they'll be satisfied with what they were always used to. As in, you know, you had your shot. We convinced you that you made the wrong choice. That's why, you know, we'll end the ever-lending, you know, the never-ending onslaught, and uh, you get to go back. I mean, oh, you throw out there that deep state conspiracy. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I almost feel like the whole 2016 was, I mean, I don't believe in the overarching, the there's this elite group that's controlling everything i mean what you just said you know fits and would make a lot of sense but i think it's more of i think it speaks more to the the human nature of rebelling and i think basically the u.s got complacent for oh too yeah long we thought and, we were i mean just we thought the bee's knees I mean, and I think our country has gone through this many times. We we get the country gets complacent. It goes down a road, a road, and then all of a sudden it takes a right turn. I mean, you know, we learned in school, you know, middle school and high school about, you know, the breaking up of monopolies and um, you know, antitrust laws and now in 20 you know in the early 1900s and all of that and now in 2020 there are clear monopolies all over the place but Google, we make Apple we, Facebook we make excuses for it and it's like well it's not it's not really it's not really a monopoly because you know um Walmart's still a thing <laughs> okay i don't think when uh, they talked about antitrust and monopolies, they meant, you know, that there was a side competitor. Yeah. There's no competition to Amazon. It's 
yes, there are different markets that you can buy in, but that's like saying, yeah, if you don't want to use the toilets in your house, I dug a hole outside in the yard that you can shit in. I don't understand why you're complaining that I'm charging you $2 every time you have to go to the bathroom. Just go outside and use the hole. Like, I mean, you look no further than cable providers. They say there are no monopolies within cable, but that's because you're looking at at the, the United States level. Yes, there is competitors across the entire United States, but within Monroe County, where we are, you have Spectrum. That right. is the choice. And they wonder why Netflix and Hulu and all those took off because we got a new way of making a choice. Yeah. And, and then, and yeah, and that's the same thing. Like, because the argument is, oh, well, you have satellite and dish. They're it's, not equivalent. It's not the same. It's not the same, especially when they keep getting into arguments uh, with local stations on being allowed to broadcast them or not. I mean, I'll give it to Dish. Like, my dad had Dish for a while, and I went over, and the picture quality on Dish compared to Time Warner was insane. It was noticeably different when there wasn't clouds in the sky and it wasn't corrupting the signal. Right. So, right. no, it's not the same. It's not true competition. But... This all gets back to democracy. I think the United States has become a very flawed democracy as of recently. And we have work to do. No matter who wins the presidential election. I think, personally, I think our path to saving democracy and getting better is significantly easier under Joe Biden than it is under Trump. But maybe another four years of Trump is the kick in the ass we need to make true change. But I'm worried it will get exceptionally violent during that next four years where I don't foresee the same thing happening under Joe Biden. I would agree that if Joe wins, it won't be violent. That speaks more to the two sides more than anything. But... (laughs) this is going to sound horrible and it it's not the correct thing to say, but I'm not advocating for a civil war, but the United States came out of the civil war better. And look, if Trump wins um, another four years or if he doesn't, we're not, there's not going to be another civil war. You know, we're not going to take up arms against our brothers. States aren't going to secede it's it's not going to happen that's not a thing but the that level of discord almost needs to happen right now we're getting like a little taste of it right now like tensions are high the two parties have run to their extremes and they're letting their extreme versions you know rule it and you know, a year or so ago, I thought that was a good thing because it was going to force all of us moderates that are more in the middle to be like, yeah, you're both fucking insane. Fuck off. But the problem is what's happened over this year is instead of the two sides, which ran to their extremes, showing everybody how ridiculous the extremes are, somehow a wedge got thrown in the middle 
and the middle was told to pick a side and the middle's never had to pick a side before and personally i mean i blame both sides for the fact that the middle has been thrown you know to either identify as the left or the right part of it's due to the fact that the the left shifted the window far to the left and the right just sort of is complacent and never pushed back and the left is basically you know the view of the sith of you're either with us or you're against us and moderates are like well i'm not i'm not with you but that doesn't mean i'm against you you know i agree with you on 50 percent, but you know there are some things that i disagree with you on and what a lot of the left has done over the last six months has gone well you're either 100 percent on us or not so then the middle is like well can't i just live you know can't i just be in the middle no you you have to pick a side and then that forces people onto the right and the same thing with the right you know they're pulling the same shit well do you believe in this 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 and this no well then you can't be a part of us you must be a lefty i'm not a lefty i i just don't believe in you know those core tenets of you but you know i believe in these other things and it's like we used to used to be able you know there used to be moderates that that ruled and existed within parties and went back and forth and i i mean that was partisanship that's what democracy is democracy doesn't live in the extremes the big i think the biggest flaw in our democracy right now is the fact that they the two ruling classes are the left and the right like that's not democracy democracy is not 50 percent of the people saying our our beliefs are better than the other 50 percent and you know the two sides holding up their banners and it's just i mean because basically what we have is you know which party gets more people oh we're at 51 that means we get to decide everything. That's not a democracy. That's just no, a ruling class. But that's where we're at. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say ever the pessimist. I I actually am scared of another four years of Trump. I see the writing signs of violence on the wall um, that I think the violence will be extended under Trump. I don't foresee the same things happening under Joe. And I know because there is a left wing of the democratic party people are on the far right now are super scared of joe because that's where we've drawn to we've drawn to the extremes on both sides um i personally don't think joe's there i think you can look at the number of republicans that have endorsed him including cindy mccain john mccain's wife at this point to see that joe is more moderate of a politician than people tend to give him credit for. But I also think if Joe wins, there are a number of people that want Joe to win so that they can go back to some sense of normalcy. And I've presented this warning in our star Wars episode that that is where we need to be worried because the issues that led to where we are now don't stop existing. If Joe Biden takes the white house, they still need to be addressed. And the sense of normalcy is also a scary place because what comes four years from now? Right. Right. It's one of those if you 
if you let Joe get in and you go to sleep for four years and, it, you know, and I, I brought this up in that podcast as well. What comes after Trump in that world will be worse than what Trump is because what a lot of people don't seem to understand is the countries become polarized. If you force one of those groups underground, it's no longer a few, a few extremists taking, you know, being the loudest voices in the room. You, you take people who aligned with them because of, you know, 5% of their beliefs. And then you tell them, you know, well, you're evil because you supported all of it. And then, I mean, it goes to you to call someone a monster enough times. They're going to go, you know what? Fuck you. I guess I am a monster. Let me show you what a true monster does. And you go to sleep and you force a side underground. They're going to come back 10 times worse. And they're going to give you something that makes Donald Trump looks like, uh, you know, a soft little kitten in comparison. And that's the world I don't want to see. And also to the point of Biden, if Biden wins, you're going to get him for about six months and then uh, you're going to have Kamala. in. so I, I want, I will put money down that there's no way he serves a full term. 100%. I, I think he serves one full term unless he dies in office. I think he serves one full term. No. I, you know, it, it gets to, and I know we've branched so far off of democracy, a scary point we're in right now. And I see it both from the far right and the far left of this. I don't like the term cancel culture, but this cancel culture that if you're not with us, you're against us. Right. And that uh, opinions that are not our opinions are wrong opinions. Even if those opinions tend to be more moderate opinions. Well, they're not our extremist opinions, so they're the wrong opinion. And that's not what democracy is. And can there be bad ideas in democracy? A hundred percent. But people should put them out there, and if they're bad, they should get struck down. And I think this is a whole nother conversation, but the internet and social media has been absolutely horrible for democracy. The fact you can hide behind anim anonymity, be anonymous, and, you know, post this crazy shit out there online has radicalized people. Yeah. You know, there's, um, you know, we used to be able to have differ differing opinions have conversations, argue, and then at the end of the day, you know, grab a beer in a tavern, very similar to our own. Oh, where um, I drink two tonight because this beer was that good. <laughs> um, but used to do those things. I mean, it's an anomaly that you know the two of us are you know, different sides of the political spectrum and we can converse and talk and debate and for the most part agree on a lot of things, you know, but yet still go back to our camps and, 
and support who we support. And, you know, none of our listeners know this, but before we even got started on this podcast, when we told people, you know, what we were doing and, you know, how the two of us, you know, believed, you know, there wasn't, you know, there were people who were like, oh, well, you know, you're both idiots or that's never going to work or, you know, well, you need to educate yourself some more and, you know, your co-host, you know, is just a complete idiot. And, you know, we got that from both sides of people that encamped themselves. There's, uh, you know, there's that longstanding belief or, you know, there's that saying that taxes are the price you pay to live in a civilized society. And, not to get into taxes and any of that, but I think the statement is completely false. The price you pay for living in a civilized society is tolerating someone who has the complete opposite views of you. The second you stop tolerating uh, a competing view is the second that democracy starts to fade away because... You know, you don't have to agree with someone else. You don't have to support them, but you have to allow them to have a voice. You have to allow them to share it. I mean, the ACLU defended the Ku Klux Klan back in the day. They've defended Nazis' rights to free speech. It's it's one of those where, I mean, there are stories of uh, black civil rights leaders sitting down you know, members of white extremist groups and the KKK and having discussions. And you know what? The, the white supremacists that open themselves up to have those conversations, most of the time either renounced their beliefs or at least softened up their positions. Because surprisingly, when two people come together and recognize that the other person is human, you find common ground. That's the whole point. And the fact that pretty much our democracy has been turned into an American Idol vote. You know, <laughs> you vote for Reuben or Clay. I mean, that's what we're in right now. I mean, hey, hey, we Clay are in... supported Trump in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. I mean, but that's I mean, that's what it is. It's. It's American Idol. It's, you know, which shitty choice do you choose? Um, and you have to choose. You can't you can't live in the middle. I mean, people get chastised for voting for a third party. And the term third party is derogatory. You know, it's stupid. It's it's saying that, you know, well, there really only are two parties and anything well, else to vote, vote for, for is Biden just... vote is a vote for Trump. Right. Like, you're with us or you're against us. And it's... If more people were comfortable voting for third parties, you'd completely take down the the bullshit power that, you know, the two parties have. I think there's a whole conversation to be had there about how I think third parties got a bad rep in 2016. And that bad rep shouldn't have been against the third parties themselves. But... It's a whole conversation for another we should, podcast. We should do a podcast about third parties. We should. Go through the different ones that have happened over the years. Put that down in our notes. Third party podcast. 
You know, I was thinking the other day that I wanted to do um, a podcast, uh, one of these political f- theory podcasts, but instead of us talking about one theory, do uh, libertarianism versus, uh, or even individualism versus collectionism. I, I was trying to think- collectivism and i was trying to think of the political term for like when a group gets together and cares about each other and it kept turning into in my mind libertarianism versus communism and i'm like but what i'm talking about is not communism but that is the word that keeps coming up in my mind i mean it's kind of what you're talking about but i'm not though because and this would be a whole podcast describing it but I'm not talking about everyone making the same wage and stuff like that, but I'm talking about when decisions are made, they think about the community as the whole. And even on an individual level, you think about your tribe. And I think this same issue gets into that versus democracy. Uh, You know, once you go above a certain amount of people that gets a harder decision to make be made globalization has made politics significantly harder to pull off true very true so i think that's a good place to end at the tavern yeah so where do we stand on democracy good flawed could be better could be not really we're not really in it we're kind of in it we're we're america's kind of there we're in a fucked up version of it it could be better Listen to a few key pieces of advice. Make the Supreme Court even. Get rid of the Senate Majority Leader. Vote for everything. Those two things, I think, would make a huge difference. Yeah. And Elon Musk, come to Rochester, build up some infrastructure, and then dig your tunnel to uh, Toronto. Yeah. I mean, you could even build us a hyperspeed route all through tunnel, Toronto to Buffalo, Rochester. I guess we'll stop at Syracuse, Albany, then New York City. Yeah, but give us more stops than Buffalo and Syracuse because they suck. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, side topic. I went to Buffalo this past weekend. and Oh, my God. It's a horrible, horrible city. So. <laughs> but we love your wings. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We do love but your I wings. Think, but I think our garbage plates are better. So. Fuck off. Yeah. Well, Aaron, thanks for stopping by the tavern. This has been fun. Until next time. Enjoy getting a drink with you, Jake. Yeah, until next time.